This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. Here we go. One-handed catch and a touchdown. Oh, baby. How's that feel? Here's Craig Grealu, Paul Calvisi, and two-time Pro Bowler Lorenzo Alexander. So here's the good news, gentlemen. In four of the six games this season, the Cardinals have had the lead at halftime. However, in only one of those games have they had the lead when the game went final. And another one of those instances happened on Sunday. As we say, welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. Cardinals lose in L.A. 26-9. So the Cardinals went in the locker room with a 9-6 advantage. Field goals instead of touchdowns and ultimately leaving points on the field. Right. Not a great run defense in the second half. And the Cardinals here are sitting at one and five. Yeah, and it's it's unfortunate um, because when and, and I didn't watch the game live. I watched it back, and so the, the missed opportunities, some of the penalties, obviously the turnovers. It's not always all bad. It always comes down to a handful of plays here and there. If they go a different way, you you feel much better how the game ends up, and they probably end up you know fighting for this game at the end. It's not over in the fourth quarter. Um, and so they have to figure out a way to just be more consistent. I mean, starting fast is great and competing, but you have to be able to sustain that, right? And they and a lot of guys are hurt and, you know, in and out, don't have Kyler's, a lot of different things that you're competing against. But doing your job, being able to make some adjustments as things are happening to you, they have to do a better job of that, especially in the second half what we saw in the run game. Coming out of the locker room, the Rams outscored the Cardinals 20 to nothing. Paul, they did it on the ground, which we will dive into heavily as the show continues. But you had a front row view on the field watching what happened and more or less what didn't happen for the Cardinals. But again, probably the most disappointing game to date for the Cardinals as far as how the game finished and really didn't look competitive at the end. You know, you dominated the first half, right? First downs were 11-4, to four, rushing yards 103-5. to five. The Rams were 0-5 on third down. You dominated the first half and had a three-point lead to show for it. It was only 9-6. You were 0-2 in the red zone in that first half, really costly. You just didn't have enough to show for your first-half efforts. And whether that translated into the second half, you know, all of a sudden you had the big chunk throw to Cooper Cup right before halftime. They get the field goal to cut it to a three-point game. Jonathan Gannon cited that, said, you know what, maybe that had something to do with momentum coming out of the locker room. I don't know. I do know that all the coaches came out first, and then the players came out after. And a lot of the coaches, most of the coaches came out really early. So I asked Trey McBride about that. He didn't expand or expound upon it too much other than to say that the coaches said, all right, it's on you guys in this second half because this has been a trend, obviously. Cardinals are trailing the rest of the league when it comes to second half scoring. What's going on? But it certainly didn't translate to the second half. Obviously, Sean McVay, stinking Sean McVay's now won 12 out of 14 against the Cardinals against four different head coaches. We get it. They made a heck of a halftime adjustment, did they not? 
Yeah, I think that he's made a, a shift in focus. I think in the first half, they really were trying to exploit the, the secondary of the Cardinals, which has been a weakness as we've seen the DBs go in and out. Guys struggle at times. And I, I think they really were trying to get Cooper Cup um, in, in, in that pass game going. Um, and we saw some plays there, um, as you just mentioned, that Cooper Cup play. Um, but in the second half, they just found something, and they just kept repeating the same play over and over and over and over again. And the Cardinals' defense just couldn't make any adjustments, and then offensively um, they couldn't keep pace with it either, and that's why the game got out of hand. 174 rushing yards for the Rams in that second half alone. Post game, head coach Jonathan Gannon on what didn't happen in those last two quarters. We got to do a better job of making sure that we're executing at a high level. They know exactly what we're trying to get out of the calls. And, um, you know, when they punch us, we got to punch back a little bit. So, you know, they beat us in the second half and they made some plays and executed. And that was kind of the, the ball game. Okay. When he says, when they punch us, we got to punch back a little bit. Translate that for us, Lorenzo Alexander, <laughs> right? From coach speak so, to English, is right. he saying the team wasn't gritty enough, wasn't physical enough in the second half? I would say that to an extent, um, especially I, there was this one play that sticks out in my mind as I watched it back. Um, and when we think about Aaron Donald being who he is and one of the most dominant players, when I'm going against a guy like that, I have to have a certain mindset, right? Because it's an all-day battle. And uh, they were running a game. I, I want to say it might have been him and, um, and and the young guy, Byron Jones, on the outside who actually had a really good game all yeah. day as far as he was getting after the quarterback. Um, they ran a game, and the guard and um, DJ ended up on Aaron Donald. Um, and there was some pressure. But Aaron, the, the double team, at that point, I'm trying to destroy. I got two guys on one of the best players. I'm trying to destroy him and let him know you're not getting to the quarterback. But Aaron Donald split them. It looked like a lackluster effort, from my opinion, from two offensive linemen, one of your leaders, and he ended up getting to Dobbs and and getting a sack on that on that specific play. And that is what I'm thinking about. Finish the play. Finish the guy off, especially when you know you have one of the most dominant players in front of you. You have to have a, a mentality of, I'm not going to allow you just to do whatever you want to do with me. I know who you are. I respect you, but I don't fear you. And I think that was – a great example that demonstrated how they played collectively. Because there was other examples. That's just one that pops in my mind. Seemed like there was a lot of that in that second half because just the concentration on the run game, Cardinals knew what was happening, and they just couldn't do anything about it. Yeah, and that and that sucks. Uh, you know, I'm the first one to admit I've been in a game like that. It was 2016 playing uh, the Saints, and they ran the ball 22 straight times, and we could not figure out what was going on collectively in order to stop the run. And Sean McVay did something, and it wasn't overly complicated, but either from upstairs, from a sideline adjustment standpoint, they couldn't comprehend what was happening to them from the defensive perspective in the, in the Cardinals, linebackers and safeties particularly, to get in the gap that they needed to. Um, and it just they kept running the same play, you know, motion, motion, a tight end. It was crack toss, according to Jonathan Ledbetter. A lot of crack toss yeah. is what he told the media. It wasn't even crack toss. It was more like an inside zone scheme. So they would essentially they would have either the tight end or wide receiver off the ball. The tight end would come across motion, so he would new have a new gap to the from the left to the right side from a defensive perspective. The linebacker, they had one linebacker off the ball. He didn't adjust over, bump over. Um, 
far enough. And then that what they would do was have a jet motion on the snap of the ball from one of the receivers go the opposite direction. So, again, another gap is changing. And they couldn't fit it up right. And then with the lateral scheme of the zone blocking, at one time I saw a defense alignment of the Cardinals 10 yards on the opposite side of the ball and about five yards downfield. I mean, you're just not going to stop the run <laughs> with that type of things happening to you. Um, and so crack toss, they might have mixed it in, but it was really just that zone inside, inside outside zone scheme that they couldn't adjust and find fit the gaps properly. So when the front seven says, especially against McVay or Shanahan, they try and ungap the defense. Yes, that's, that's what, what they're talking about, right? Yeah, it's a whole bunch of eye candy. And you got to understand, am I in cover one? Plays different than than cover three versus cover six versus you know it just depends on who's in there and you got and the safeties have to understand just as much as the linebackers because a lot of times they were part of the fit too and if they you're not used to seeing tight ends and reading tight ends going back or wide receivers going back and then understanding what remember what coverage I'm in and my responsibility it only takes a little slither. Yeah. And, and, oh, <laughs> and oh, by the way, two of the best safeties in the game were in sweats on the sideline. <laughs> exactly. And so, Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson. So the communication standpoint, and then you have your defensive line sitting in your lap, it, 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 it's a lose-lose situation for you. It was a tough watch in that second half. According to the head coach, though, it was not a toughness issue. Here's what Jonathan Gannon had to say. I think it starts with me first, you know, um, but we got the guys in the locker room to do it. I know that. I don't question their toughness or effort. I think it's just got to come down to the details of what we're doing, and uh, we got to make a couple more plays here and there. Especially in the second half. As I mentioned, the Cardinals were outscored 20 to nothing in the second half. On the season, Cardinals have been outscored 98-30, to 64-7 in the fourth quarter alone. Despite all those numbers, tied in. Trey McBride speaking in the media on Monday. I feel like the team is still, you know, together. I feel like guys are are confident. I mean, we've been in every game. We uh, we know that we're good enough to win these games. We just got to find a way to finish these games. We're, we're we've had the lead. We're playing very well. We just got to somehow figure out a way to uh, come together and finish these games. Dead last in scoring in the second half. Dead last in scoring in the fourth quarter. Obviously, you got to be able, as McBride said finish these games and it's probably a little bit more execution rather than talent although as this talent team does not have as much as some of the opponents they've been facing this year yeah I mean typically you know when you have a, a talented team you can have a guy that can make you know uh lemonade out of lemons right and they don't have a guy that can really transcend the game right now offensively to maybe make something, a guy is double covered. Th- just throw the ball up. He's open, like Fitz, right? He's open. Just throw it up. They don't have a guy. They don't have anybody explosive like that that can help them shift the momentum back into their favor. And so it's going to be tough sledding. So you do have to execute. And it's hard to execute in the, in the league because you're you're competing against the opposition that's trying to get you out of of your fundamentals, and and right now that's kind of where they're at, and they, and it's just tough sledding. It's hard. The game is hard because they don't have any elite player to make it easy. Like, oh, how did he do that? And then it's a, a total different feel when you come to the sideline and, and playing it throughout a game. Because, you know, the inclination is to think, all right, maybe they're not in shape. Maybe they're getting worn down. Maybe, you know, but I don't think that's the case. No. And then the next thing is, all right, X's and O's, are they losing the battle consistently of, of halftime adjustments, of in-game adjustments? You know, they blow the 28-7 lead against the Giants early in the season. 
There's the Cincinnati adjustments. They come out with a 63-yard strike, third play of the third quarter to Jamar Chase. Then there's a 15-play, nine-minute drive later. Is it something with the X's and O's? I don't think so. I think it really does boil down to what Lorenzo Alexander just said. It's just dudes who shine in the second half. When it's time to, to have a money play, they have money players. And the Cardinals too many times have had backups in a lot of those key situations defensively. Yeah, I mean, even think about the shot to Cooper Cup. I mean, you got Clark and, and Cup. Who are you going to take in that battle, right? right? I mean, it just yeah. is what it is. I mean, he's a young corner who I think has the potential to do something, but he's young and going against one of the better receivers in the league. Mm-hmm. And nobody's putting pressure on the quarterback up front that can just get a sack at will like an Aaron Donald. So all those things, you know, are working against them. I mean, you have eight runs, right, to start the second half. And then all of a sudden the ninth is Matthew Stafford scrambling. So now in the tenth play, to your point, Stafford gets up to the line. Oh, I've got single coverage in the red zone. <laughs> the six-round rookie, Keatrell Clark, against Cooper Cup in space. What do you think is going to happen? Right. All he need is three inches of separation. Boom, there it is, a quick out for a touchdown. It's that easy. No Buda Baker. No Jalen Thompson offensively, no James Conner. So, yeah, this team is missing a number of pieces as we continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. Might the Cardinals be getting some of those pieces back? When we come back, though, here, the offense and what didn't happen in the first half, including a couple of missed opportunities, big opportunities from the quarterback to wide receiver Hollywood Brown. We'll get to that next. It is the Arizona Cardinals Red Sea Report here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. First down at the 12, back to throw Dobbs, fires to the right, it's tipped, and it's intercepted at the 12-yard line, thrown behind Ertz, and on the redirection, picked off by Roseboom. Terrible turnover at a terrible time on the first play of the fourth quarter with the Cardinals about to score. Just can't have it. Can't have it. The ball was thrown behind Zach Ertz, who reached out with his right hand behind him and tipped it inadvertently into the air, but that is a bad throw by Josh Dobbs. Can't happen inside the red zone either, especially at that point in the game. The Cardinals turn it over. They had two turnovers, an interception, and a fumble, both by Josh Dobbs. Cardinals lose in L.A. 26-9. As we say, welcome back. It is the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. Gregory Loop, Paul Calvisi, and Lorenzo Alexander. Before, gentlemen, we get into the Dobbs accuracy issues and what happened and what did not happen in the red zone. How about this happening as we went to break? ESPN's Adam Schefter is reporting that I'll just basically read the tweet. Cardinals are planning to cut linebacker MyJ Sanders, their 2022 third-round pick, barring a last-minute offer per league source. Paul Sanders' 21-day window just opened up a week ago. He had injured his thumb in training camp and began the season on IR. And it is a crowded room, though, in those outside linebackers, but interesting the timing of it considering we had not seen MyJ on the football field. Was it just musical chairs and there were too many guys? You had Jesse Lucetta who didn't even dress for the Rams game, which was a surprise. There he was on the sideline. So you begin to realize, wow, they're loaded. They want to get B.J. Ojolari, the second-round pick, more snaps. He's been at the tail end of that room in terms of the rotation. But as far as my Jay Sanders go, a second-year guy, and I'm a little surprised just based on the talent. I think they were hoping to see for themselves. Maybe they saw enough 
throughout the offseason training camp. You know, he's been injured a lot. The hand got him early. He hasn't been able to do a lot of things. Maybe it was just a matter of time waiting for him to get healthy. Then they move on from him. Or maybe something happened in the last three days that we're not aware of. I don't know. He met the media in front of his locker. Everything seemed fine and normal. Said he had been spending a lot of time with B.G. Ojolari, trying to impart whatever wisdom he could after his rookie year, mm. share things about the league. And and so it seemed to be tracking well. I, I am surprised by that, despite the numbers. You know, Zayman, right. Zayman Collins told us in the Big Red Rage that there might be some more opportunities for him to be off the ball again because that room is so crowded. So, you know, that's that was my expectation before they got rid of a guy was to maybe make some adjustments in roles. So I don't know if there's something else behind this we don't know about. A move like this when you're in the locker room, Zoe, someone that just got here a year ago right. and a third-round pick, Yeah, does that send a message or do people start questioning or wondering what's going on? Right. So, you know, I, I was in the locker room for a long time, and typically coaches with young players um, – you just don't get rid of talent, if, if, if you know, and, and he has the ability to go out there and play. He's made some plays in a, in a short sample size, and this team is in no position to be giving away talent that is really untapped and and, and has been underdeveloped to this point, right? And a lot of that's just because he's been hurt, lack of experience in his defense, and being able to play. And so, what I have seen in the past, typically this goes to some type of professionalism or a lack of fit from a culture standpoint, and. Coaches are going to say, well, it's not it's not worth what we're trying to build here, so let's make a transition now. It's best for both. Hey, go get a fresh start somewhere else. We're going to rock with what we have in the room and, and move from there, especially with some of the other moves that we've seen, like Isaiah Simmons, right? Why would you, why do you get rid of a guy like that that's that uber-talented top three pick, right? And so this guy that's a third-rounder, if he's kind of in that same situation as Isaiah, you know, like I'm, it's time for me to move on. So he only really played the second half of last year, but when he did play in limited snaps, we called his name a lot. Yeah, I, I mean, he was a factor. He was a force. He put up some numbers. Here's the other thing, though, real quick, is I can't tell you how many guys I've asked over the last six months if there's one thing that we figured out that Jonathan Gannon and Monty Austin Ford are looking for, football players who are serious about the game. Yes, and and that is a huge disconnect because my serious about the football game and how I need to be as a professional could be totally different than somebody else, right? And a lot of young guys typically, um, and I'm not going to say a lot of young guys, I'm going to say there are individuals that have a misconception of how hard they're really working, right? And we've seen different examples, and we can go to the Suns, for example, in DA, right? Sure. His mindset as yep. far as what dominate looks like right. and what everybody else is <laughs> – situation and if you have that disconnect and you can't communicate to a guy to make small changes yeah he may be doing okay he may be scratching his surface but he's not living up to his capacity and coaches fear like man I, I'm tired of talking or coaching to a guy like this so let's move on and switch hey you do you hey I'm pretty sure you get another opportunity somewhere and we're going to go in a different direction and it's as simple as that We'll wait and see what the head coach, Jonathan Gannon, has to say when he addresses the media on Wednesday prior to Wednesday's practice. But, yeah, certainly timing-wise, an interesting move for the Arizona Cardinals here on a Tuesday. All right, let's turn our attention back to what we were originally going to discuss here in this segment, and that is Josh Dobbs. Another interception, another fumble. Two interceptions, three fumbles over the last two games. His completion percentage is less than 50%. Despite all that, Jonathan Gannon thinks Dobbs will bounce back. 
No doubt. No doubt. He's a competitor. He's a warrior, and he'll get back in the lab. And it's not just Josh now. It's me first, coaches, all the players. You know what I mean? We all got to pick up our uh, feelings a little bit and go compete tomorrow. We had seen a natural progression, though, from Dobbs after that Washington game, and I think we can just throw away week one. He had just arrived. Right. And now the past two weeks, there's been that roller coaster going down. And again, is that Dobbs? Is it the lack of reps with his teammates? Or is it the opposition? It's. I think it's a little bit of everything. You know, there's ebbs and flows uh, in the way people typically play, right? You, it, the, the, the great players in our league, you're going to get 16 weeks of greatness, right? And, and then you have some... Good players, you may get 12 out of 16 weeks or 17 weeks. You know, I'm, I'm old to tell you how old I am. 17 weeks of, of greatness, right? And then you got some role players that will give it to you here, give it to you there, right? It's just less consistency. And I think that's just what we're seeing, um, you know, with Dobbs as a young quarterback as far as experience, learning and growing, right? You have that four uh, weeks of game film that coaches have on him now and players have on him now as well as the other players that he's dependent on to get open or block for him and people are going to attack weaknesses and certain concepts of how you run your offense and I think that's also a part of it um, and then there's I think this uh, the game sometimes when you get when you when, when things are aren't going right it speeds up and you're, you're pressing um, and so like that interception that we're talking about in the red zone right it looked like it was designed for Rondell Moore. For whatever reason, he came off that, that read way too quick, and his feet wasn't set, and he tried to, to get it to Ertz, and that's why he threw it behind him. His feet, his feet was still set up to throw it to Rondell Moore, who actually beat his guy on the angle route. It would have mm-hmm. been a touchdown. And by the way, I talked to coaches yesterday because we were wondering on the team playing, was Ertz supposed to settle that down, supposed to sit down in the mm-hmm. zone? No. no I got it from out. coaches. No. That was yeah. just behind him. No, he was uh, – Ertz's job was to clear that out. So Rondell Moore had a double a double move. He, if the, the linebacker was inside, he would have broke out. But the linebacker was on the outside. It looked like it was designed. Boom, he ran an angle route right in the middle, and that's where it should – and that's where Dobbs's eye started, and it – he, it just feel like it felt like to me it came off quickly. Now being in the pocket, things happen really quick, right? You've been hit a couple of times. Uh, it's not there. Let me get, yep. get to my guy. And then on the fumble, right? We put a lot of celebration and stuff on the quarterbacks, and I think sometimes we're a little hard on them as well. You got to block. Byron Jones came off the edge, scot free. Boom. I mean, he. I mean, Dobbs didn't have a shot. Any. 32 of the quarterbacks in this league probably fumbling. Maybe a couple of them, not just because they're bigger, stronger guys. But it's no way that he's keeping the football in his hands on that specific play. So I don't necessarily put that on him, right? And that's why, again, guys have to step up and protect a guy, especially when he's in this phase of maybe struggling to maybe give him an extra tick to get the ball out of his hands and find who he needs to find. And then two big misses to Hollywood yeah. Brown in the first half. One that was a little bit underthrown, allowing the DB to come over. That would have been a touchdown. And then the fourth down throw, a deep shot. Hollywood was wide open, but the pass, Paul led him out of yep. bounds, and he makes the catch out of the field of play. Well, that's three and two games because you go back to the first quarter of Cincinnati where he missed him on a nine route as well on the near sideline. So that's three and two games. And, look, we can talk about whether there's plenty of game film finally out on Josh Dobbs, right? He'd only started two career games in year seven, coming into year seven. And he had that slow progression, right? He had that three-game stretch week two through four where he had zero turnovers. 
and had a passer rating of 106 and a completion percentage of 71% combined between week two, three, and four. And you're wondering, all right, maybe now there's film out there. Cincinnati put a spy on him in certain key times where they didn't want to let him run the ball. And his running is phenomenal. He had the 20-yard run. He had the 24-yard run. I cannot tell you how amazed guys are on the sideline. They're like, okay, this is a mind blow. This guy can really run, and he's elusive if he could just dial down the accuracy. So everything you might see on film, there have been open receivers. Zach Ertz, Hollywood Brown, and he just hasn't been able to connect. Overall, Dobbs on Sunday, 21 of 41 for 235 yards. The interception inside the red zone, and that was key. Here's head coach Jonathan Gannon. When we had opportunities down there, those are four-point plays, which makes the game completely different. You know, if the score's a little bit different at halftime, maybe they don't do that in the second half. So um, we got to just make sure we're converting uh, those four-point plays down there and make sure we put up some more points. Offense on Sunday held without a touchdown for the first time since week one at Washington. That game also saw the Cardinals go 0 for 2 in the red zone, as they did on Sunday against the Rams. Keontae Ingram on what they have to do when they get inside the 20. Just got to finish. You know, um, like I said a hundred times, we're a great offense, balanced offense. Uh, we get in the red zone in the NFL, we got to be able to finish. Uh, guys, too good not to finish and uh, settle for field goals, you know, and um, I'm take part of that blame. 31, I got to go get it. We all love Matt Prater. I think his accuracy from beyond 40 yards is without question one of the best in the league. I don't like seeing Matt Prater <laughs> kick 20, 25, 30 yard field goals. And right. it's nothing against Matt. It's just you're settling for three as opposed right. to getting seven. Yeah, that's not, I mean, that's one of the keys of winning the game is your red zone performance, right? And, it, and it's a, a significant difference. As Coach Gannon just said, those four points, right, um, mean a lot. And I think going back to Dobbs, it's it's frustrating because you can you we've seen what he's capable of doing, and then you see like a play like the two shots to Hollywood Brown, like ah, oh, even within that same game, you see him making some great throws down the middle of the field on some of these dig routes. It's like man, why can't we just get that every single time or the majority of the time, right? Because guys aren't perfect. But it, it always comes back to a handful of plays, three or four throws, especially those two ones that we know he can make and probably should make. And so I don't know if he got excited or, oh, man, this dude is wide open. Sometimes, you know, that easy layup in basketball is the hardest one to make, man. You way no. out in front of everybody. No. Oh, and then you end up missing the layup, right? So whatever he has to do to rein in his emotions and, and when it, they need it, that's what he has to focus on because we know he's capable. He has to figure out why – He's not able to hit, you know, Hollywood on those two plays where the guy is really wide open and has a five-yard uh, space of cushion on the guy. And I've asked a number of guys, including coaches, what if? What if Josh Dobbs had the entirety of an offseason with this team, this offense, this group of receivers? What if he had a training camp or even a single preseason game? He had none of those, right? But most guys are shaking their head and no. At this point, those are definitely NFL passes that should be completed by an NFL quarterback. And the other thing is Cardinals are giving him a run game. Even minus James Conner, they ran for a buck 34.3 yards a carry. He's had a balanced offense. So it's a big question now. Okay, can he take the next step? Can he restore some of the accuracy you saw early in the season? Cardinals back on the road this week. Another matchup against the NFC West at Seattle, which is a very good run defense. We'll touch on that and touch on the Cardinals' lack of run defense as we continue it is the Cardinals Red Sea Report, presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. First and 
10 for L.A. from its 25. And they are going to run Williams to the left. And he's got a hold past the 30, past the 35, up to the 40, and finally brought down at the 41. Uh, they got the Cardinals on their heels there, coming out and running the ball. Just the fourth run play of the day, and that one goes for 16 yards. Just the fourth rushing play of the game for the Rams. I, I don't think the Arizona Cardinals are respecting the Rams' ability to run the ball at all. Pitch to Williams off the right side. Gets the edge at the 40 at the 35. Breaks free at the 20. Far side of the 15 and down to about the 10-yard line before he's wrapped up. 31-yard run to the 11 for Kyron Williams, and the Rams looking to add to that four-point lead. A couple of missed tackles on this play, and Williams is down the sideline right there. You just can't have missed tackles. Rams open the second half with nine straight runs, eight by running backs, and then that scramble by Matthew Stafford. That drive ended with a touchdown. 62 rushing yards on that first possession of the Rams in the third quarter. Williams, three runs of 10 or more yards alone. As we continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report, presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. Then the second possession for the Rams, 45 rushing yards. That ended in a field goal. Third possession, 55 rushing yards and a touchdown. <laughs> the, the, wow. the, 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 the script wow. completely flipped from the first half to the second half. Right. I mean, you know, I tell my young players like this all the time. I say when a team finds something that is working, they're going to keep running it until you stop it. Um, and you heard, you know, the great Ron Roofley there talk about missed tackles. That's just the the end result. This there's a whole bunch of stuff that's happening before they're where they're not even in position to make a tackle. You you can't tackle guys from the side in this league, especially these big strong or squatty backs that are running downhill. It's really hard to to bring guys down like that. And what was happening is just linebackers and safeties not adjusting the properly a proper alignment and then fitting their gaps properly, along with the defensive line running lateral and getting pushed back. And when you got like that, I mean, I could have been back there. I'm old. My, my hamstring hurts right now. I mean, I could have got five or six back there, you know, and, and, and looked all worldly. So they have to fix that because teams are going to start hitting them more with some of these zone runs. I guarantee you're going to see something very similar um, in the next game as far as this, because they couldn't couldn't adjust to it at all. I mean, the Rams didn't just go from five yards rushing in the first half to a buck 79 on the game. They had a ton of chunk runs. Just Kyron Williams himself had a 31-yard run in the second half, a 27-yard run, a 17-yard run, a 14-yard run. So to Zoe's point, something was wrong. Something was missing. <laughs> all right, yeah. when you talk about alignment and assignment, something was amiss. And yeah, there were a lot of missed tackles. And yes, Every time you see a game without Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson, you realize just how how superior and elite those guys are as open field tacklers, what normal safeties look like, which is, you know, it's tough. Every preseason I say the same thing. Oh, that's what a normal safety looks like trying to tackle in space when you don't have Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson out there. And unfortunately, Cardinals are learning the same lesson during the regular season. But how many times did Kyron Williams get to the second level untouched? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's all. I mean, these backs are great. I mean, that's why everybody's, you know, they got a ton of backs everywhere, right? And, guys, this 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 system is, goes, you know, um, what's Kyle's dad's name? Oh, uh, Shanahan? What? Mike, Mike, oh, Mike, Mike Shanahan. Shanahan, right? This goes back to the Denver days. That's, this is where this Sean McVay, yeah. where he could put any running back back there, and they averaged – 1,000, 1,500 yards, 2,000 yards. It didn't matter who was back there. This 
Clinton Portis, Bale. It didn't, it didn't matter. The name, the statue, first rounder, late rounder. This is that same system. And unless you attack it vertically with the defensive line and make running backs cut before they have to, they're going to carve you up. And it doesn't matter who they put back there. And that's what was missing. That was the, the punch in the mouth, I think, that Gannon was referring to, right? Okay, I got knocked off the ball. All right, next time, I'm going to knock you off the ball. I know you're about to run it. You just ran it four or five times. Oh, well, I'm going to guess that this is going to be a run because you it's been a successful play over and over again. Same motion. Same jet motion. It's, it's the same play. So let me do something different. Let me change my mentality. Let me stop being lateral as a defensive lineman. Get off the ball. Create some vertical pressure because that's what they were doing. It's almost like the Cardinals' defense couldn't believe it was happening because all week long they'd heard about how the Rams' offense was a pass first, pass second, pass third offense. They're a top five in every passing category. That's all Stafford wants to do. And they came out and completely changed their identity to start the second half. Well, that's what's called adjustments. I had a coach, Danny Smith, used to say this all the time. In high school, you, you adjust next week. In college, you make adjustment at halftime. When you get to the league, it's next play. Next series, we got to make an adjustment. We see it. You got pitchers. They got 50 coaches up in the box. This is what they're doing to you, right? Let's make an adjustment. And even if you can't fit it up right, we need to be more physical, especially the front. And you got to challenge guys. And I don't know if that's an ability thing, right, because you do have a lot of young guys or some some backups playing there as well. Um, Or is it a scheme thing? And this is what we're teaching. And so they have to change that because if they continue to do that, every team that comes in here is going to have some type of outside zone that looks like what the Rams just did. Rams had five rushing yards in the first half, 174 in the second half. Head coach Jonathan Gannon on what he saw in the second half. I thought Sean did a good job. We got to do a better job. Starts with me first adjusting to how they're playing the game because I thought that we played well in the first half, kept points off the board, you know, did a good job on third down, but then, you know, we just got to get to some other things there when they start trying to pound the rock on us a little bit. But we got to we got to coach that better. All 11, we got to play a little bit better with uh, block recognition, our pad level, the cup, and tackling. We got to do a better job in the run game. And that was Kyron Williams. Kenneth Walker is the assignment this week in Seattle. He's got a team-best six rushing touchdowns on the season. His yards per carry average is just over four. But that's a bigger back who's done it a little bit more than a Kyron Williams has. And now, to your point, Zoe, Seattle sees what the Rams did, and they're going to say, all right, let's see if the Cardinals learn their lesson. Can they stop it? And if they don't, you're just going to keep running the ball. Yeah, I mean, for the next four weeks, they're going to see it until they stop it. And it was, and then when they if they don't stop it, it's going to keep getting extended. And it may not be as the same exact thing, the Rams, but it's going to be, uh, you know, little bits and pieces and essence of whatever they do in – um, in Seattle, right? You know, whatever they when they play the Niners again, whenever they play whoever, they're gonna have little bits and pieces of this zone scheme where they're motion across the tight end and then they're jetting a the receiver back across to create all this confusion as far as how do I fit this up right, right? And sometimes um, you may not fit it up right, right? It, it, that happens. But you know, uh, we used to have you know check. I don't even know if I can say the word, but you got to check. You got to change your mindset from a passive fundamental thing to I'm about to just dominate this cat in front of me knock him back and I'm gonna make a play right when stuff is going all hectic and we can't figure out what it is somebody has to make a mindset check I'm about to go blow somebody up make a play in the backfield and and cut all this and nip this in the bud right here right now and nobody was able to do that defensively and the same thing we talk about on the offensive side the defense doesn't have anybody right now 
that's willing to do that or is capable of doing that um, on a consistent basis when things are just going all over the place. And, and what do the Rams and Seahawks have in common? A bottom 10 offensive line, not all that talented on the offensive line. They'd much rather run block than pass block. Geno Smith just got sacked four times and hit 13 times mm. at Cincinnati. So they'd love to come in and run the ball and just take it off Geno's plate. He missed a lot of throws in that Cincinnati game. They were abysmal in the red zone. Run Kenneth Walker. The one stat about him two years ago, his final year in college, he led D1 running backs in both yards after contact and missed tackles. Dude will make you miss, and he'll run through you. And, oh, by the way, they got a physical rookie, Zach Charbonnet, out of UCLA who will feed it to you as well. So you better come ready to tackle in Seattle. That is the assignments on Sunday. 105 is the kickoff. 8.30 pregame coverage begins here on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. Much more on the matchup against the Seahawks. And might Kyler Murray be ready to return? That's next here on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. Nasty is as nasty does, and we all know that Kyler Murray is nasty. The stuff you see in dreams and in video games. Yeah, we're going to have a great relationship. You know, he's he's a direct reflection of me. The vision that we have for him is is to maximize his skill set. You say, well, that's kind of general. No, it's not. He can throw it over your head. He can beat you on the first, second, third level throwing it, and he can beat you on the first, second, third level running it. Question is, when do we see that? Head coach Jonathan Gannon in the offseason with Paul Calvisi on the Big Red Rage talking about K1. Kyler Murray, who remains on the physically unable to perform list, he is eligible to come off that list. In fact, this is the third week he's been eligible to come off that list. Is this the week? Before we get into that, thoughts, gentlemen, about a little bit more from the head coach Gannon on Burns and Gamble, Arizona Sports 98.7, on the plan they have for Kyler Murray. We understand there's going to be a little bit of a learning curve, a new system for him. He hasn't taken a snap in this offense. So um, I like the plan with kind of how we have it structured and, and the work that he's been putting in, in meetings, uh, the extra time spent in the morning and at night. I mean, this guy's a competitor, so he's he's doing a lot to get himself as, as mentally and physically ready as he can before that he goes out there and practices but uh and i really appreciate that him for that because he's he puts the work in i know that and when he does return to practice it's not like he's going to play right away he's going to need a week maybe even two weeks heck maybe even the full 21 day window in order for this team to realize okay yes kyler murray you are ready to be active and available on game day but it's something paul that we've been wondering about questioning about well ever since December when he hurt the ACL. Yeah, keep going to Jonathan Gannon because I don't have any answers. <laughs> I, I, in terms of a timeline, I, I don't know. All I do know is when he gets back, it's going to be a very different offense. And he's going to be under center a lot more than he has in his NFL career. Nobody was in the gun last year more than Kyler Murray. So now there's the word adapt, the favorite word to Jonathan Gannon and this staff. So how much different might this offense look upon the return of a Kyler Murray? I don't know, but he's still going to be under center a lot more. And there's going to be more of the traditional run game, which we've seen. So what does that mean? Not only is there the return physically, mentally dealing with the injury, but now adapting to the scheme, 
how comfortable is he going to be, both physically and mentally, just running? And and, and so you know, it's all yeah. about it's all about decision making. If you're a quarterback, you can't be out there thinking. You got to be reacting and be lightning quick in your reads. Yeah, and, and that's going to take time. And so you never want to rush a guy back too quickly, especially in a new system, new scheme, a new. I mean, everything as far as from a football schematic standpoint. Um, and then who knows how, how really his knee is going to feel. You know, he may be clear by the doctors, but there's so many other hurdles that you have to get over than to play football at an elite level. I mean, I've been out on IR, missed 13 games, and when you come back, your body doesn't really remember how it got hit, right? So you got to deal with getting hit. How does that feel? How does, it, how does your knee feel after a game or practice when you start taking up intensity, right? Because you don't want to expose a guy too early and you end up having a significant setback as well. And so all those things they are, you know, trying to analyze and examine and assess, and, 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 and it's, a, it's a, an overlapping, an intersection of, like, those three things you just kind of mentioned, Paulie, there as far as when he can come back and be positioned in the best way to go out there and compete and really showcase what he can do. All I'll say is, this is abject speculation, 100%. The way Jonathan Gannon has answered the question this week is a little bit different than he has in the past. It's more of a we'll see than an automatic complete shutdown of the question itself. So if he does indeed get activated this week and then he takes the full three weeks, which I'm inclined to think he will, uh, my timeline has him debuting against the Atlanta Falcons at home next month. There's also the possibility that 21-day window expires. You have to make a decision. You remain on PUP or they put you on the active roster. Well, you can make them inactive on game day if you're not quite certain that Kyler is ready because he's not going to be your backup quarterback. If he's healthy enough to be on the football field, he's going to start. The question is, is he going to be healthy enough to be on the football field? Okay, so now my Jay Sanders, if he's been released, is that making room for a Kyler Murray? Well, of course, you don't have to activate him yet. He wouldn't be to the 53. Right. That's right. Okay, so there wouldn't be a roster spot there. All right, so, okay, so the uh, the theory there, I guess, is is, <laughs> right. is moot. But at some point, you can't have 17 outside linebackers if Kyler Murray's going to be activated, right? <laughs> so yeah. Somebody's going to have to obviously go. And, 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 and as a team that is trying to find talent, you, you want to push that down the road as long as possible so you can have the ability, right, because they're, what, one in five now? Uh, you know, postseason is probably almost kind of out of their mind. So how can we continue to develop our culture, develop our football team, still rotate guys in like Steve Kime used to do when he was here, right? Get these guys coming in and really build our football team because we know somewhat what, what Kyler's capable of doing. Obviously not in this scheme, in this system, but let's push that down the road because our objective really isn't to win the Super Bowl this year is to develop culture, team, chemistry, and let's give him the longest runways possible so when he comes back, we can get a true gauge of what he can be in this offense with some time and experience and maybe an offseason with it. More likely that we see Buda Baker have that practice window opened this week. He's missed the past five games, four weeks on IR with that hamstring injury, but just watching him around the locker room, he's got a big smile on his face. He seems to be moving fine. And then, oh, this is Seattle week. I mean, he's from the Pacific Northwest. Right. He does not want to miss this particular game going back home. My expectation is that, yeah, Buddha not only will be he that practice window be opened, he's not going to need a lot of practice. This isn't Kyler Murray. Buddha did have a full training camp. Yeah. So he is in football shape, and we've seen 
a high ankle sprain on Monday, all of a sudden he's on the practice field Friday and, right. and a game on Sunday. Yeah, Buddha's built different. I mean, obviously he's a high end all pro safety as well, and so there there will there, there's always still you know a couple plays here and there where you have to get your eyes right and your reaction time. But that for him is not going to take a long time because of who he is and how much experience he has doing it. And there's nothing like playing a football game, but. That, to your point, getting back to being elite is much easier as a safety than trying to play quarterback when everybody's trying to take your head off and my eyes is trying to, is all about disrupting you. So I, hopefully he comes back. That's a guy that, that will definitely help in that run zone scheme as far as tackling, getting guys on the ground, take potentially some of these big plays that the defense has experienced in the past game is well away. Um, and this gives them a better opportunity to win football games because, again, it always comes back to playing um, complementary football, right? Everybody has to do their job, and we've kind of talked about this, but the defense being able to keep the score down, maybe maybe make the Rams kick some field goals, they can still run the football, right, stay fluid, right? We talk about jobs. He hits those touchdowns. Maybe it takes the Rams not run the ball as much. So there's a whole bunch of stuff by adding a player like Buda Baker that can maybe help this football team win a game from a from a systematic standpoint when you look at it from a bird's eye view. By the way, the Seahawks just got Jamal Adams back, talking about all pro safety. He's played his first full game since week 12, 2021, as he came back from injury. In the last two weeks, they've held their last two opponents to under 250 total yards. Last time they did that in consecutive weeks was the Legion of Boom era 2015. So Seattle feels like it's got its defense dialed in. Seahawks 3-2 coming off a loss at Cincinnati. They will host the Cardinals on Sunday. 105 is the kickoff. 8.30 pregame coverage begins here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network, and then we will talk about it in one week's time. Special thanks behind the scenes. Jim Omohundro, Cody Fincher, Ali Narini. For Lorenzo Alexander, Paul Calvisi, I'm Craig Riolu. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. 15-10-5, touchdown, Zach Ertz. Buda Baker with the sack, stripped the ball. Murray's going to score, touchdown. Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown, Cardinals win. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. Oh.